Well, good morning again, church. Um, so it's, it's been fun uh, having an opportunity, the privilege to come up and give the word uh, a few Sundays here um, over the past couple months. One of the things that's fun is uh, attending both services, and you get to kind of see faces, and oh yeah, I've seen them and recognize where they're at. And then well, as I was standing up here, people surprise you because they, you're not allowed to move seats, uh, but some people do. I'm talking to you utters. I see you over there. Uh, but yeah, it's fun to see faces and, and the, just, just everybody turning out and you folks online, happy to have you here. Uh, but today I'm going to be continuing our series on Acts. We're in a 12-week uh, series in the book of Acts. We're walking through it uh, thematically or looking at the themes. And the message today is going to be on the miraculous or the miracles God does in Acts, or the miraculous ways he shows up. And uh, I want to be transparent with you here. I, uh, this was not easy to put together. I, uh, when I signed up for this one, uh, the preaching team, we were getting together, and I, I told Sean, hey, I'll take this one um, a couple weeks ago. And I said, well, I'll take this one. It should be pretty easy because it's miracles, and they're all over the place. And then it got to uh, about mid this past week, and I had nothing, and that's not where you want to be. So I was staring at a blank page, and uh, it was because if you look at Acts, there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and God's doing miracles in every chapter. I mean, he is showing up in multiple ways in every chapter doing miraculous things. And it happens to different people in different places, different types of miracles, incredible things. And so I was struggling with how do you take all of this and do the book of Acts justice and pull together kind of a concise message? And then how do you take that with all of its differences and the broadness of it and get application for us today? And so I was struggling and kind of really dreading it. And uh, it, was, it was mid this week, it was Wednesday, I dropped my girls off at school and I'm coming back and I'm kind of dreading grabbing my coffee and, and working through this message. And God, in a miraculous way, he just, as clear as day, said, what are you doing? And why are you making this so hard? And I was like, and when you hear from God, you, you listen to God. So he, I was, almost needed to pull the car over. I was like, okay, well, what do you mean? And, and he, as clear as day, just said, look, there's a lot of really hard passages in Scripture. There's a lot of really tough things to put together and preach, and this ain't one of them. This is not one of them. This is when I, God, the incredible creator of the universe that's so much greater than you, comes down into the world and does incredible things. So just go have fun with it. I was like, okay. And I mean, I, I felt like God was saying, just go show me off to people a little bit. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at miracles, the miraculous, how God has interacted with his people throughout the, the years, throughout the ages, how he did it uh, in the Old Testament with Jesus Christ and the apostles and how he still is doing miraculous things today. But the first thing uh, we need to do, and, and I want you to have a question in your mind as we're walking through this is, have you ever experienced a miracle? Have you ever experienced God doing something miraculous in your life? Have you ever experienced that your life or somebody else? And usually it's answered one of three ways. It's either a, a hard yes, I've definitely seen it or experienced it. It's a hard no, I haven't, or I just don't believe in the miraculous. Or it's for most of us somewhere in between where it's, well, not exactly sure. Maybe. I might have seen it. I definitely experienced something different, but I don't know if it was a miracle. 
or I saw it and I, I just didn't know what to do with it. So it's usually one of those three ways. So let's define what a miracle is. Let's get on the same page. The miraculous is something that is incredible, fantastic, but, but so much more than that. The miraculous is something that is basically incomprehensible, unexplainable, something beyond our human understanding. It's something that God does that we can't explain by who we are or what we know or our logic or our knowledge or our reason, the laws that govern this world. It goes above and beyond all that. That's the miraculous. That's the miraculous. And God shows up in incredible ways to and through his people. And if you want to understand the miraculous, I think I, I kind of urge you all, if you're going to do a study on anything in the Bible, but especially the miraculous, you want to do it with a proper understanding of who God is. You need to start this study knowing who God is before you can understand how and why he does miracles. And if you want to do that, it's not too hard. You sh I would recommend starting in the first two chapters of the Bible. Go to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and read through the creation account. Read through it, because that'll give you an understanding of who God is. Because God, if you read through that, we find that God, this incomprehensible, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-eternal, unchanging, all-creative God, brought to life everything we know, we see, and everything that's beyond us. He brought together the earth, you, me, our minds, everything we touch, feel, imagine, this universe that's beyond our even imagination. Every bit of it, he brought into existence out of nothing. And so if you understand God as being able to do that, bring all of this that we know, don't know, that's, that we can understand as beyond us, everything into existence, and you put that and him in that place, then when we look at miracles, things he does like healing lepers, healing the lame, bringing sight to the blind, that's not really out of his reach. So that's where you want to start, and oftentimes, I'll give you the warning, what we do, myself included, we fall into the trap of trying to define things by what we know and who we are. Our understanding of something that's miraculous, the way we can explain these things of God, and then we try to use that knowledge and explain and understand a miracle, and then work that into our understanding of God. And if you're doing it that way, you're going to get into a trap because you're not going to be able to see the truth of God for what it is. Always start with God and work back to yourself. So we start with God. We have the almighty, all-powerful, all-creative, all-loving, all-existent God and creator of the world who created all of this stuff. And then he went above and beyond that because he came into our world and did incredible miraculous things. And this is where we're going to show off God a little bit. I want to read you some of these things. What kind of miracles, miraculous things did God do? You could read about these in scripture. Well, let me read you some. He turned Aaron's rod into a serpent. He sent plagues. He parted the Red Sea, healed the waters of Mara, brought water from a rock, brought manna from heaven, brought down the walls of Jericho, made the sun and moon stand still, Jeroboam's hand wither, parted the Jordan a couple times, made an iron axe float. Did you know that was in scripture? Made an iron axe float, destroyed numerous armies, brought unfathomable victories for his people. There's the whole thing with Jonah and the whale, delivered Daniel from a den of lions and was in a fiery furnace with three other guys. 
He did all of that over the span of a few thousand years. And I feel like if we look at scripture, God sat back and said, I'm just getting started. He's just getting started with his miraculous acts because what comes next is we start to see the miraculous things happen on earth and in his people through Jesus Christ. See, God comes in bodily form and human form with us and begins doing miraculous things. Before, those things that were happening was God above and beyond us, but now it's him with us doing miraculous things. We have the Immaculate Conception. We've got the virgin birth. He turns water into wine. There's halls of great fish, casting out spirits, healing lepers, healing servants, healing men, healing women, raising people from the dead, calming storms, walking on water, casting out demons, more demons, curing paralysis, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, restoring withered hands and ailments, feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, withering trees, restoring an ear, and raising from the dead. Not bad, right? And of course it's not bad because it's God. And if we understand who God is, we shouldn't be surprised that he can do any of these miraculous things. None of the things in this list we should look at and be like, wow, I'm surprised God did that. We shouldn't be surprised that he can do that. Amazed, yes. But what I'm always surprised at is that the all-perfect, almighty creator is willing to come down and do that. It's not that he can, it's that he was willing to do that. He was willing to come down and do miraculous things into us and this fallen world. And so we have God. He's done miracles in the creation of all of the universe. He's done miracles in his people in the Old Testament. He did miracles and miraculous things in the embodiment of Jesus Christ here on earth. And so he had done miracles to his people and for his people, and so his people could see him. And we start to see a transition in the ministry of Jesus, because as we read in Matthew 10.1, he now also does miracles through his people. In Matthew 10.1, it says that Jesus gave authority to the apostles, authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, heal every disease and every affliction. And so now it's different. Not only is he doing them to and for us, but he's doing it through his people. He's given them authority and power to do these magical, these, these magical, these incredible wonders. And so that's what we're going to see. It actually transitions into Acts because not only do they have the authority to do these incredible things, go out and heal, but they actually have the power of the Holy Spirit given with them to use that to advance the kingdom of Christ. And so... We're going to look at Acts, and I want us to look at three different areas in Acts where God does miraculous things, performs miracles, and shows up for his people. The first should be on the screen, but if you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to read through the scripture, and then we'll talk about it. It's Acts 3, verses 1 through 8. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that's called the beautiful gate. And he was asking for alms. He was asking for money. I mean, he's lame. He can't work. And so he's asking for uh, money to be handed out to provide for. So he's asking for alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I've got no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and raised him up. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I want to talk through this. So we look back at this scripture, and what's happening is we have this man. He's lame. He has this physical ailment or defect from birth, and he is being taken to the temple gates and laid up there to ask for alms. He can't go in because of this defect, so he's there day after day after day, laid up in the same place doing the same thing. And I want you to put yourself in the place of somebody who would have been coming to the temple. Perhaps the first time you see this man with this defect, this, this lameness, you would have looked at him. Maybe he would have caught your eye. Maybe you look away because you didn't want to see. But after he's there day after day after day in the same place doing the same thing, he would start to be just part of the scenery, lost in the noise, something that you actually just weren't surprised by but expected to be there. And for us, I want us to think... In our world, is there any greater defect than sin? Is there any greater defect in sin in our lives? And for us, is there sin in our lives, sin that we see in this world, sin that we see in others, in our church family and out? Is there sin that we see it day and day and day after day, and we have either gotten used to seeing it, or we just look away and pretend it's not there? Do you have sin in your life that's been there so long, you don't even recognize it's there anymore. And so you don't look at sin. Well, that's not what happens with Peter and John. It says down here in verse four, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. They didn't look away, they didn't pass by, they didn't ignore him. They looked at this man with this defect, they looked at this man who was lame and called his attention to them. He said, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something. And Peter said, I've got no silver or gold. The guy probably thought, why are you wasting my time then? I think that's often because we know what we want, but only God knows what we need. He said, I've got no silver or gold, but what I have I give to you. And here comes the miraculous. What I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The statement he makes, the statement Peter makes, I just love this because not only is God working through them in miraculous ways, but he's speaking this power to this man, this healing power of Jesus Christ in confidence, in full faith. And I think that's something as we pursue the miraculous here and today and even in this church, sometimes we're hesitant. We see things that Christ would have healed and we pray, well, well I, in the name of Jesus Christ, I hope you'll be healed someday. Or in the name of Jesus Christ, I hope the doctors will be able to figure it out for you someday. But that's not what Peter did. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then he doesn't just let him go. This is the piece that's critical. I think oftentimes we skip over this piece or we just go by this piece. He doesn't just give this man healing in the name of Jesus Christ and then leave and hope that the man will rise up in his healing. Hope that the man will get up and walk in the power of Christ. What he does is it says is he reaches down and grabs him by the right hand and lifts him up. He pulls him to his feet healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. There's a piece to this that I think imagery we can't, we can't go by. See, this man was lame. He couldn't stand up on his own. He couldn't walk up on his own. And for us, 
in our own sinful life here, we may not be lame at the physical ailment like this man, but we're lame to sin. And that we cannot, on our own, get up, stand up, and walk out of sin. And it's only by the name and the power of Jesus Christ that we are able, because he pulls us up out of sin, that we can walk with him in righteousness. But this piece, it's always, it's always sunk in with me, this idea of Peter pulling him out and not letting him sit there on his own in this healing, but actually showing him the power of Christ has worked in his life because I've seen it in my own life. And I'll share a story with you. I've shared it at church before. Several years back, my wife and I, we, were, uh, we had been running for years. We were doing road races. I was probably in a lot better shape then. Uh, we were doing road races like every weekend. Um, and then all of a sudden, I started not being able to run anymore. Um, I started not being able to run, and then not being able to run turned into not being able to exercise at all. Not being able to exercise turned into not being able to really walk very far on my own because I was like incapacitated out of breath. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. It was unbelievable. I couldn't understand what it was. It was frightening. I had stairs that I took to go up to work about four or five flights of steps of stairs. And it got to the point where I couldn't go up 10 steps without stopping. People would have to go by me. I would just lean over on the wall. I have to sit there and catch my breath and go up a few more steps. And so I started going to doctors. I, I saw numerous doctors. I had all kinds of imaging done and blood work and tests and stress tests, all kinds of things done. And, and it was over the course of several weeks and nothing was coming back. And so I was in an elder board meeting. And uh, at the end of the elder board meeting, I looked at the rest of the elders and I said, hey guys, I said, here's what's going on. I told them. And I said, would you pray for this next doctor's visit because we've got to figure this out. I need to know what's going on. Can you just pray that, we'll, the, that it will be revealed to the doctors what's happening? And he said, yeah. And so we, we started praying. And um, one of the things that I remember was the elders, the other elders gathered around me and they started praying and not one of them prayed. I always get choked up on this one. Not one of them prayed that the doctors would figure it out. Not one of them prayed that the doctors would be able to tell me what was wrong. They prayed for the power of Christ. They prayed that God's healing hand would come down. That way, I wouldn't even need to go do this. And so they were praying, and eventually one of them looked at me and said, hey, what's going on? And I, had, I was just weeping, just crying, uh, because as they were praying, God revealed something to me. It wasn't anything that had to do with my breathing, my physical condition, my lungs, the doctor. It was nothing. He revealed to me something that had gone on when I was a kid, like way long ago, that actually I had held on to and not given over to him. And he was saying to me, look, you said you've given your life over to me. Why won't you give this up? And so I told him, and that's what was going on. And then I, I bowed my head down, and I gave that over to Christ, confessed my sin on that. And I looked back up, and it was like, it was like I told a joke or something. All the elders started kind of smiling and almost laughing because I had this incredible smile on my face. It was like an ear-to-ear -ear kind of thing. And I looked at him and they were all smiling because we all knew in that moment Christ had done something. He had done something miraculous. The power of Jesus Christ had come in in that very moment. And what happened was we could have, like Peter and John, walked into the temple. We could have left that room and walked into the sanctuary and I would have been left to go, I wonder what's gonna happen next time I go up the stairs. I wonder if I'm really healed. But what happened was, 
kind of like Peter and John here, without hesitation. Like there, was, there wasn't a gap. I was smiling and laughing. And the guy on my left, the elder, Mike Stark, looked at me and he goes, let's go climb steps. It was like, it was like Peter just pulling him up and saying, no, you're healed, walk. He said, let's go climb steps. And we went and we climbed steps and steps and steps. Hey, thanks. He's right over there. Um, and we climbed steps. And, and my response to this wasn't that I was like, hey, Mike, thanks for doing that. Or, hey, elders, thanks for praying. My response, I remember it. And it's the response all of us have when God does miraculous things. It was like this guy in verse 8. At the end of it, it says he walked in. And walking and leaping, he was praising God. He wasn't praising Peter or John or anything else. He was praising God because when God does miracles, and you need to hear this, it's for nothing else than the glory of his name. When God does something miraculous, it's not for us or just to show off that he can heal. It's for his glory, for praising his name, for moving his ministry forward. That's why God does miraculous things. And so like this man, I was ready to jump up and just glorify God. If you go on in Acts here, you'll see lots of other examples of how God works through his people. He works through Philip. He works through Stephen. He works through Paul, does incredible healings, incredible miraculous wonders with people throughout there. But I want to show you, church, another way God interacts in miraculous ways, and this with his church. Right after this, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. Right after this, not everybody was thrilled that they were healing in the name of Christ. Peter and John were arrested. They were arrested. They were persecuted to a certain extent. They were threatened to stop doing this. And uh, it tells us in chapter 4 that they couldn't find guilt or a way to punish them, so they let them go. And we're going to pick this up in Acts 4, verse 23. It says, when they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had to say to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage? The people plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. It says, for truly in this city they were gathered together against Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And here's where I want you to focus, right here in verse 29, it says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Oh, church, what would it look like to have the walls of fresh water shaken? You see, what happened here was the walls weren't shaken. This place wasn't shaken. They weren't refilled with the Holy Spirit because of anything they did. God showed up in a miraculous way because they prayed in the will of God. If we look at this and what they were praying and asking God for, it wasn't that God would give them safety. It wasn't God that God would stop the persecution. It wasn't God that God would take them away from this place and make it easier. It was none of that. What they prayed was the will of God. 
And they knew the will of God because back in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus left, he told them that two things were going to happen. They were going to have power and go out in power in the Holy Spirit to continue this ministry, and that they were going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so what they were praying was that that would continue. The will of God that he had said would continue amidst threats and persecution and arrests. It says, look at us and grant that we can continue to speak your word like he had said they'd be witnesses and that he would do wonders in the name of Jesus. And what happens when we pray, not for ourselves and our protection and our healing and our benefit, but when we pray together for the will of God, he can show up in miraculous ways and the place was shaken. And I wonder for us, church, what does it look like for us to come together as a unified body? Yeah, we're different and we've got differences and everything, but we need to be united in the will of Christ. What does it look like to come together in your families, in your homes, in your ministries, your community groups, and here at a church, and we pray in the will of God. We separate all of our desires. We pray for the will of God so much so that he shakes the walls of this church, that the walls of our house, our ministries are shaken, and we feel God's presence and power with us. There's a second miracle here because he, they get a filling, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And I have to imagine, I love that Jake sang that song. I have to imagine they're sitting there. They were just threatened. They were threatened, right, uh, not to do this anymore. And they came back and prayed and God showed up in a, 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 a just magnificent way, right, an incredible way. And they're looking around at like, yeah, we're still going to be threatened, but... If God's for us, who can be against us? And what do they do? They go out and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Because when God does miraculous things, it's for the glory of his name. And so his kingdom can continue. And so you may be asking yourself, oftentimes we read miraculous and we say, well, is God still doing any of this stuff today? Well, God was doing miraculous things in the Old Testament he was doing miraculous things through the ministry of Jesus Christ. He was doing miraculous things with the apostles, and he is continuing to do miraculous things today. We are a church who prays and seeks after the will of God. We are a church that sees God come up and do miraculous healing. We see God do freedom in people's lives. We see God show up and speak to people. We see God advance ministries in miraculous ways. And so here at Freshwater, we seek after the miraculous. We seek after the will of God. We seek after God and pray for him to lead us in those ways. We pray for the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And we do that not for the glory of this church or ours, but for the glory of God. And I want to give you one more thing, one more discussion of miraculous in Acts, because what oftentimes happens in the modern church, it's happened over the history of the churches, we see what happens when the miraculous power of God comes and people are in awe and wonder, and sometimes we try to abuse that for our own benefit and our own glory. And there's a story of that in Acts 19, verse 11. It says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles at the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. And then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord of Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And they said, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. 
And seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom had the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered them all, empowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, Jews and Greeks. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord was extolled. It was celebrated. You see, there's one purpose in doing the miraculous. There's one purpose in God doing miracles, and it's not for us and our benefit. It's for the glory of his name. It's for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. It's for the proclamation and advancement of his kingdom, not ours. And so this is a warning that while we should seek after it and pray for it and God shows up, it should be for his glory and not ours. And if we do it the other way around, there's treacherous consequences. So at Freshwater, we seek after God. We pray for God to show up in miraculous ways in our lives and our church. But as I close, I want to share with you the greatest miracle for any of us. You know, we see God doing these miraculous things. We see him healing the lame. We see him giving sight to the blind, restoring speech and hearing. We see him shaking down walls. But God did a miracle through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that isn't like those that just stays on our time here on earth. It's a miracle that lasts into eternity, and it's the one of salvation. And it's a miracle because he did something that none of us could do. None of us could pay the penalty or bear the weight of our own sin and walk out of it. It's only through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection that we can be righteous in front of Christ and have salvation. And you may be here and not ever experienced a miracle of your life, but I want you to know that that miracle is available to each one of us. You can experience the miracle of salvation, the miracle of Jesus Christ's blood shed for you today by asking him to lead your life. Like me, when I hadn't given stuff up, it's giving up the things you're holding on to. It's confessing the sin of your life and just telling Jesus to take it over and lead your life for you. And if you haven't experienced that, if you want to know what that's like, we would love to talk to you. We got people here that would love to pray with you. We got people here that would love to have that conversation. As we close, if, if, if that's you, I'd encourage you to come up here, talk to somebody, talk to the church, call the church. Don't let that sit on your heart. If you have other things going on in your life you'd love prayer for, you need prayer, we got a church that loves to pray. We'd love to pray with you. Let me close. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for doing miraculous things in the life of your people. We thank you for leading your kingdom through persecution, through threat. We thank you for the glory of your name, Lord. And I pray for all of us, individually and our families, our groups, our work, and this church, that we would go out like the apostles and continue your kingdom in boldness, asking for fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit, and you bring it, Lord. Shake the walls of this church as we pray in your will. In your name we pray, amen.